He always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? Welcome everybody to the Anthony Irwin Show. I'm Anthony Irwin. I am joined today by a good buddy of mine from my from my previous employer, uh, somebody who I always enjoy talking basketball about and with, uh, and and somebody who you know, the Lakers and Pelicans are going back and forth in the standings, so it's going to be less back and forth. I think now. I think the Pelicans are pretty much there at nine, and the Lakers might sneak down between ten or eleven. But Jake Madison, host of Locked On Pelicans, is here. Jake, how you been, bud? I'm I'm doing well. I'm I'm happy to be on talking with you. It, you're you're one of the few Lakers people I think that's like easy to interact with at times. So I'm happy to be here. <laughs> you know what? It's it's a backwards compliment. It's a backhanded compliment, but I'll take yeah. it. <laughs> um, all right. So today, so basically, what I've been thinking about. Uh, as the Lakers continue to slide down the uh, standings here. And by the time you guys are listening to this, the Lakers will actually be in the 11th spot. They are down right now as we're recording 79-52. to 52. The San, San Antonio Spurs uh, began this game only back half of a game of the Lakers. So the loss means that they'll be tied with San Antonio. And San Antonio uh, has a tiebreaker and therefore will be in the 10th seat. Um so I, like one thing that I've been thinking about a lot is just kind of league-wide, and I know especially in New Orleans, and this is actually kind of where I wanted to start, but especially in New Orleans, it has to feel good for that city to leapfrog this Lakers team while Anthony Davis is having the season that he's having. Um, never root for injuries, obviously, but it, it, but it has to feel good like in that city. So how's, how's the city handling this? Uh, they're pretty ecstatic right now. Like, look, look, let's not pretend, right? Uh, Pelicans fans are not fans of the Lakers due to a no. variety of reasons. Yeah, <laughs> shocking here. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, horribly surprised. So the fact that it came kind of down to, and maybe it's going to change, as you mentioned with the Spurs here, the Pelicans and the Lakers, it's, it's added a level of excitement and stakes to the end of this season that wouldn't have it otherwise, which is a credit to the play-in tournament. And then the fact that this is, I don't want to call it a rivalry because that's not what it is, but some, some animosity there that that like adds something to it and kind of makes it feel a little bit more personal. So that game on Sunday in new Orleans down 23 to come back from that was like a big release for Pelicans fans, you know, moment in that. (laughs) I was I was actually I made the the in hindsight poor decision, but I recorded a, a pressure cooker, which means that I have to have the game on mute in the background, and I had it on mute, and I could still hear Pelicans fans <laughs> <laughs> going nuts uh, with with how they handled that. And like part of me, like honestly, part of me, I I get it. I I'm I'm honestly part of me is kind of happy for for the city that like you do get that release. Anthony Davis did kind of screw over the franchise. Franchise didn't position themselves, I don't think, particularly well with him. Um, no, totally. But, but, but like, it still, it doesn't it doesn't suck any less knowing that that there might have been mistakes made. And I, 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 you know, for, for me, just being a sports fan, those are the kind of stories that, like, you remember for a little while. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. And look, it, when Anthony Davis originally wanted out in New Orleans, I think he uh, it was right uh, before like a month or two before the trade deadlines in January. Everyone understood it. Everyone was okay with it. They were fine with it because Dell Demps was a terrible GM and yeah. completely failed to build around him properly. Let's, there's there's no denying that. It was everything that kind of happened after, right? With him trying to brute force his way out and go all scorched earth on New Orleans and the franchise, mm-hmm. you know, culminating with that that's all t-shirt that he wore in the final game, which is still whoa, whoa, whoa. one of the most he ridiculous didn't, he didn't things. He didn't, he didn't I know, of course not. He just has to wear it. Like, that's the most ridiculous freaking thing I've ever heard of, man. Yeah. And so, like, all of that stuff rubbed people the wrong way. The way that the Lakers negotiated in the beginning, right? And you and I joked about this on podcasts together where, like, Beasley, Michael Beasley, was the centerpiece of the first trade offer they put in front of New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Like, come on, right? Like, yeah. it was so insulting in all of that that it just rubbed Pelicans fans like completely the wrong way. And then to add to this, this year, right, is kind of the culmination of that. There's a picket play with this for the Pelicans. You know, if the Lakers mm-hmm. pick falls into the top 10, it comes to New Orleans instead of going to Memphis. So that win over from by, by New Orleans over LA really adds kind of some stakes to it where they could potentially end up with a top 10 pick this year. Yeah, it, it, it couldn't have, this season uh, couldn't have turned out better for New Orleans, couldn't have turned out worse for LA. And, you know, I, I, I don't want to go full schadenfreude on, on this episode because, you know, this, the people who are listening to this are on the wrong end of the schadenfreude. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, I, I just, like, this is a part of it. Like, eventually, for example, Russell Westbrook isn't going to be a Laker, whether it's this upcoming offseason, the offseason after that, whatever. Um, and eventually, like, the Lakers fans are going to watch him in his next destination. And there is going to be like an amount of, huh, I remember that mistake. <laughs> I remember that, you know, and I kind of wonder like with the way that Anthony Davis has, is uh, dealt with injuries and the not wanting to play at center stuff and all of that, like how has, how have you watched that from afar? Like, is there, is there ever a moment of like, yeah, yeah, I remember getting my hopes up for that. Oop, yeah, I remember, I remember that kind of walk back to the locker room. Oop, I, I remember that that kind of jumper that he fell in love with as well. Like, how how have you watched this season? Yeah, you know, uh, there's a lot of that. You know, I think kind of the narrative around Anthony Davis is definitely shifted, and if you're him, it's shifted in a much much more negative way than you were probably expecting. And you know, he's he's what nine or ten years in the league now, right? So I think you're just re- it, it's finally people kind of getting past the what could he be and the potential with him. Like he's at he's over that age, right? Which is probably like 27 when you start to be like, that's who the guy is. They're not going to really grow anymore, or things like that. Whether that's mm-hmm. fair or not fair, and it's just kind of like, okay, yeah, this this is who he is. Is, right he's a tremendous basketball player but but something feels like it's missing it's like he's 90 percent of the way to where you want him to be and you're yeah. expecting him to go that additional 10 percent, and it just never happens some of that is not due to his fault necessarily right like the injuries are injuries you don't root yeah. for those and they and happen a lot of those like, are out, they're out of your control right you yeah, landed exactly. on Gobert's foot you know and then and then uh, earlier this year like it hasn't it's not like like a tweaked hammy that keeps him out right. forever. Like right now, what's going on with Ben Simmons, right? Where he hadn't played all year and then all of a sudden needs an epidural for some reason. Um, yeah. And it's, it's not it's not that. we've see You see the actual moment that he gets hurt and it's the kind of thing that a lot of times, oh, the other injury was somebody dove into his knee, like fell yeah. into his knee. 
And, and like, you can't really avoid all of that stuff. No, I'm with you. And that's why I don't really fault him on that sort of thing. Like yeah. the injury conversation around him's always been a little bit weird. And like, historically I've defended him being like, he's not injury prone because they're always to different parts of his body. And they're also always like freak accidents. I don't know if that yeah. makes you injury prone, right? He's not, he doesn't keep tweaking his, uh, what his left shoulder like needs surgery on it or something, you know, like, yeah. Like Lon Lonzo's knee just like, just keeps like randomly just kind of going out on him. No like play. Mm -hmm. You can isolate it to, he just like, he just, for whatever reason, can't stay healthy on it. Yeah. So, so because of, you know, part of, that's the part that's like out of his control, but then the part that's in his control is the center thing. And you mentioned it, right. You know, and I know this year he played more of the center position, but it took so much convincing and that's after the Lakers had to give money to Dwight Howard to play center so that he wouldn't have Andrew to, which then limits their flexibility once he finally commits to that position. And it's those type of things that always leave you wanting more. And how many games, you know, in his Laker career now, let's say, have you watched him and he doesn't feel like he impacts the game to a certain degree? I know how good he is, and I know sometimes that's kind of a fake feeling, and it's not real because he helped them win when he has yeah. thirty points and fifteen boards. But you're like, he was in, he was in his like, ideal role. Like he was, he was, yeah. he was player. He was Plan B. He was, he was the second best player on a really, really good team. That's his ideal role, I think. Yeah, that's what it is, and I think that's us all coming. That's a long way to say we're coming to the realization. Like this is who he is, and we probably yeah. need to adjust our expectations for him accordingly. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you uh, a bunch. The, the part that always kind of rubs me the wrong way with AD, and it's, like I tell, I say this to Harrison all the time, it's not necessarily even fair to look at it this way, but when a player is supremely talented, when a person is supremely talented, the expectations on that player, on that person go up, right? And, and like with AD, there are, this guy is capable of being a top five player in the world. Right. He, that's just how talented he is. And if I think if he committed to playing center and like this, the last two years, basically, since they won a championship, I'm not positive. He's really been in the best shape of his life. If he commit, he recommitted to getting back in shape. And we saw it like that was kind of the bummer with his most recent injury was that he trimmed down a little bit. He looked a lot more explosive. And you're like, oh. We're, we're starting to get back to bubble AD just in terms of physicality. He can't, he, I don't think he'll ever shoot. He has never shot the way that he shot in the bubble, but like we're starting, he's starting to move and look like that version of, of Anthony Davis. And you're like, Oh, well, if this just maybe is, is the guy that the Lakers might have for the rest of the season, maybe just maybe the, this thing might turn around a little bit, but it did take, you know, coming into the season a little too bulky and kind of meandering through his minutes at center. And it took kind of getting hurt and coming to the realization of, okay, yeah, I do need to lose some weight. I do need to approach this differently than I did to start the year. And it's just like, like you've known this. We, we've all seen when you're at your best, you are slimmer, you are lighter. You're blowing by your traditional centers. You're going over the top of defenses. You're helping out in ways that other centers normally can't on, on the perimeter. And, and yet for whatever reason, it's like, it, 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 it takes him arriving there kind of kicking and screaming to arrive at his best self. And like, that's the part that, you know, I grew up watching Kobe and, and the thing that I, I always respected the most about Kobe was year in, year out, he added something to his game. He tweaked something to make him a better player. LeBron, same thing where the guy started his career as like not a shooter. I, I, I remember thinking 
This guy has to learn how to shoot or else he's not going to be in that kind of GOAT conversation. He's having one of the better shooting seasons of his career this year, right, from, from three-point range. And, and you see these great, great players who add to their game and do really kind of embrace that greatness. And I don't necessarily always get the feeling that Anthony Davis does. No, that's a, that's a good point, right? Like, look at him from when he came into the league and where he is now. What's truly changed? You know, we knew he was going to be a defensive menace coming into the league. You know, we knew he can be a very good pick and roll and lob guy at times. He's tried to add the three-point shot. That hasn't really worked for him, but he's been a, a decent mid-range shooter for the most part, at mm -hmm. least. You know, so so what's new, right? And I don't know if there's been a ton of that. And there doesn't have to be to a certain yeah. degree, right? I mean, he's you're talking really about like two of the all-time. <laughs> yeah. You know, so like Not a he's still comparison. really good if yeah. he doesn't change a ton. But again, it always – I don't know what it is. And I tried to convince myself of this and Pelicans fans of this for like a long time, right? It always feels like there's something – missing I, I just a little bit not much i don't want to it, it sounds like i'm trying to knock he's him i'm really great. not he's, he's still amazing. great yeah but. but but there's there's expectations and potential that come with winning a national title you know that mm -hmm. come with being the number one overall pick and he is he is he is a ring and we're still yeah. having this conversation which tells you like something is just slightly off with him yeah yeah it's he, he's an interesting character i'm really kind of interested to see how he handles this season because like, you know, they just, uh, Chris Haynes just reported that he might return in the next couple of days or so might return against you guys on Friday or, or Thursday or whenever the, they play. Um, and, and, you know, Haynes is also saying that uh, LeBron is working his way back, but regardless, like this season was a failure for all involved. And, and I, I kind of wonder how he's going to handle this. Like this is, I look, I didn't I didn't really hold last year against anybody on the Lakers because they won a championship and then a month later kicked off their next season. Like that that's just it's not mm -hmm. a tenable situation. That season went out about as how about how I would uh, have expected it. But this last year where you did have an additional month to get ready for it, you did, you know, you and LeBron uh were the people who wanted Russell Westbrook and 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 the makeup of this roster like th this was this was you putting yourself in what you thought was the best circumstance for yourself and we saw how how that went and and I think how he handles this adversity and how he handles the fan reaction to him I can't even t at least once now I'd probably say like five times a day I'll get somebody asking in the mentions hey what do you think about maybe trading AD and if that's happening five days or five times a day in my mentions, seeing yeah. bigger accounts, bigger platforms and all these things. He has to see some of this noise. And I, I'm really curious how he'll handle that. I'm like you, you having followed him for as long as you did and, and, and in those kind of, you know, growing up years, how do you think he handles this? It's a really good question, right? I, I don't know if he handles that stuff the best from what I've seen. And look, that's hard to deal with anyway, oh, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it, let alone in a year where you're very injured, but he never came off to me as like the most personable guy that you could like kind of work through some of these things with. And instead, I think he tends to retreat a little bit, probably mm -hmm. retreats to his family 
uh, who play a very big role in his life and to his agency in Clutch, someone he's, you know, very, very close with. And are those the type of people that are going to kind of help him look in the mirror or are they going to kind of reinforce everything Enable. he's already thinking? To, yeah, that's a good word to use with it. I lean more towards that than being able to be like, oh man, this season was bad. I need to kind of step up my game. I need to make some adjustments to how I approach things. Or instead, are they going to be like, no, screw it. It was injuries. Don't worry about it. It was Westbrook's yeah. fault. Don't worry about it. I'd be more concerned about that happening. And I feel it's more of that than him being like, okay, let's take a look in a mirror and kind of regroup and figure out what we need to do next. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious, like this is technically a Lakers show, but I, I can't talk to you and not ask you about Zion. So like you've seen, <laughs> you've seen uh, how it went with AD before he eventually asked for a trade. You've seen this Zion situation is one of the weirdest seasons. And I'm only like, you know, I'm saying this from afar. You've paid a lot more attention to this uh, than I have. Do you see any similarities there between, you know, young AD and young Zion here? Or is this just... Is this just a different thing altogether? There's there's a lot of differences, but there's also a lot of similarities. And it goes to what we just said, kind of the enabling and family members. And that's yeah. who's really kind of guiding Zion a lot and the biggest influence on his life. And at this point, when you're a professional athlete, sh should they be? On certain mm -hmm. things, yeah. But on your health and your training, maybe not anymore. And you need to kind of... Again, start to trust the professionals. So the yeah. situation there is, look, there, I'll, I'll straight up tell you, there's some frostiness between him and the organization. I'm sure. A, a good bit. And it goes back to his rookie year of when he tore his meniscus. He finally was healthy after missing over half of the season, and they had him on a minutes restriction. He was playing bursts, and they weren't closing him in games once he kind of used those minutes up. And he hated that. Mm -hmm. He was furious with the organization for that, even though it's rooted in data and science. You know, they signed – and brought in Aaron Nelson of the Phoenix Suns, who's largely considered one of the better, like, trainers, medical people in the league. Resurrected Shaq's careers, uh, you know, Steve Nash's and all of those. Yeah, that, that Phoenix training staff back in the day was, was vaunted. And this is the guy who's running it. And Zion just doesn't like the way that that guy really operates and doesn't mm -hmm. want to listen to him too much. And so that's part of the reason why you saw him go to Portland, was just to be like, I'm going to go do it myself. I'm going to listen to Nike over you. Mm -hmm. And that kind of puts them at a head here and i don't know if that's something that's easily resolved you know yeah. he he wants to play this year you saw him put that dunk video on instagram and that's a pretty impressive dunk for anybody if he's doing that he wants to go out there and play and they're going to try and hold him out because they're thinking about his real long-term career and so in a sense they're trying to kind of save him from himself but he has you know people in his orbit his camp saying like go and play you're a superstar and all of that. And that's the part that like, I don't know how you resolve some of that. Maybe it is getting resolved because he's now traveling on the road with the team right now. There's some genuinely really good vibes in the locker room here in New Orleans. And so yeah. maybe you just get him around that really fun atmosphere where everyone is having a blast and that kind of melts some of that frostiness. And that's what, you know, we're all hopeful will be the case, but that's kind of what's going on. So in, in a sense, you know, when Anthony Davis was here, one of the reasons they fired Monty Williams after making the playoffs was basically at Anthony Davis's dad, Anthony Davis's senior's request that he didn't like how Monty Williams babied AD. And mm -hmm. so that's one of those things. When that starts to happen, I wonder how quickly that's things so can potentially deteriorate. It's so fascinating that uh, the families think that the teams are too easy, too light. Like that's the criticism 
Like it's crazy. Right. Like, hey, please don't have my my son or my my nephew or 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 my you know whatever the relation is. Don't have his long term aspirations in, in, at the forefront of your mind. That's that's so weird. It's so it's so it's it's almost impossible to explain. It's with, with both of them, and I think they're somewhat similar in that regard. You know, for Zion, it's his camp doesn't like him to see seem vulnerable. They want him to seem invincible, larger than life. So the word, so they've asked the team to hide injuries, so it doesn't make him look injury prone. Even though I don't know if it does, and. Yeah. You know, with this broken foot, he had surgery on it, and literally no one knew until yeah, media day in September. Day. Like, <laughs> I, I was there with Andrew Lopez of ESPN, Will Guillory of the Athletic, literally all the main beat writers, and all of us sitting next to them, and all of us were just like, "Excuse me, what? What, what the hell? Like, are, are you <laughs> kidding me? We're all just floored right there." And you know, there was potential that maybe he needed a second surgery this year to get this foot fixed. And just get it done with and then move on and potentially play this year. And it sounds like he didn't want to do that because, oh, two surgeries on that foot. What, how, how big of a hit does your image take, right? And with Anthony Davis, it was more, well, we want him playing so that he can be a huge star in the league, get the endorsement money, kind of start to build your legacy that way, even though it might hurt you in the long term, potentially, if it cuts your career short. So it's this weird balance of all of that stuff. Yeah, it's 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 fascinating how how that's all going down. I was going to ask, you know, so the the vibes are immaculate right now in New Orleans. Um, how much of that has to do with just getting rid of Josh Hart? Like he just he just seems <laughs> it's the worst. <laughs> oh man, right? Like you swap out Josh Hart for Larry Nance Jr. Larry Nance isn't even playing, and and like look at look at the the improvement. I, I mean, all I can say is all I can give you is the facts. <laughs> You know, Josh Hart was awesome. I, I do yeah, miss I him a lot. I get every day. I get people asking me, like, "Do you think they can get him back this off season? And I'm like, "It's a team option for ten million dollars. Portland's going to pick that one up in, in an absolute second." You guys, yeah. um, he's not going yeah, anywhere. Especially from when there they try winning like, again, like when when yeah. when they when they start being interested in winning, it turns out Josh Hart helps in that regard. Yeah, he's going to be great at that sort of thing. He's done yeah. well. He's playing too well, and that's why he sh probably shut down for the season with an with an injury yeah. after not being on the injury report at any time before. Yeah, uh -huh. right. Like, um, no. It, so it actually comes down to Stan Van Gundy and getting rid of him. That was mm -hmm. the worst. I, I cannot think of anything that could have gone more wrong last year than having Stan Van Gundy in, and just nothing about that was right. Like Brandon Ingram, I can tell you despised him pretty much all of the players hated him tremendously so you bring in willie green who's a former coach just was assisted on that run with the phoenix suns to the finals i just connects with these guys at a different yeah. level and like so they're having Stop fun again coach like come on get off twitter you, you have a game right. it was funny that, minutes. Like, why are you fighting with donald trump the thing was, they the front office thought that would help him. The big thing, I think, right now is connecting with your players, right? Yeah. And that's why I think you're starting to see a lot of former guy, uh, a lot of guys with former playing experience, at least on some level, get hired into yeah. head coaching roles because they've lived the lives that these players are going through. And Stan Van Gundy was just out of touch. But the front office really thought the fact that he would tweet all of these very liberal things would actually help him connect with these NBA players who care about that stuff. Mm -hmm. I just don't know if they care about that stuff as more as like old white guy Stan Van Gundy does to a certain right. degree. And like it just didn't work at all. <laughs> <laughs> now just imagine how they traded for Jonathan Isaac. Um, so <laughs> So I, I do want to like, so to, to just kind of wrap up uh, the basketball aspect of this. So, you know, 
Zion is making his potential return, uh, at least to the rest of the team. I'm not talking about yeah. like return to basketball. We don't, I don't foresee him playing again this year. But um, that said, you know, him being around the team again, maybe that injects an extra little shot in the arm to a team that is clearly kind of going in the right direction. Willie Green um, is an outstanding coach. It sounds like just just from the outside looking in. Uh, if so the way this is is probably going to play out, even though, or is going to play out, even though the Pelicans leapfrog the Lakers into the nine spot, it still appears like if the Lakers get in, it's still going to be Pelicans-Lakers. How confident are you? How confident do you think the Pelicans organization is if they if they were to face off against LeBron and maybe AD in that kind of a circumstance? You know, I think they'll feel pretty good. They've done well against the Lakers in the, you know, the two games so far this season, getting the tiebreaker. So I think they'd feel pretty positive going into that. And, like, there's probably, like, a 2% chance you could even see Zion make a return for something like that, which adds, like, mm-hmm. a different level to it. You know, I think they're starting to some, uh, somewhat peak at the right time. I, I don't want to say they absolutely are because they've still dropped some games that they probably should have won, blew a big lead against the Spurs the night before that Lakers game. So it's not like any of these teams are, like, tremendous quality here. Like, let's no. be honest, right? <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> we're kind of putting them in relation to each other, and that's why you look at two teams kind of going in opposite directions, but compared to the rest of the league, no. You know, they're really starting to figure some things out, and I think you'll start to see them get a little bit healthier as they kind of hit this postseason playing tournament you know Brandon Ingram played well in the second half against the Lakers after struggling in the first he had just missed something like eight games right Larry Nance Jr. is not playing on the second night of back-to-backs just yet CJ McCollum's a little bit dinged up I think if they feel they're healthy their offense is good enough to compete with almost anyone in the league the problem is defense and if they can get a couple of stops they'll feel pretty good about it i think and you started to see that happen against the lakers so i think going into that they'll they'll feel pretty confident even if lebron and anthony davis are playing that performance we saw from lebron on sunday right he was tremendous tremendous in the first half i don't know if he's going to shoot threes to that degree and if that's necessarily sustainable over the course of a whole game and i think that's why they really started to kind of cool off and regress to the mean in the second half and once that started to happen and they kind of evened out a little bit the Pelicans really started to surge ahead so I think they'll kind of bank on that and feel good going into that plus it would likely it would be a home game for New Orleans and that adds a little bit of an element to it as well yeah when LeBron shoots the way he does it almost kind of makes me nervous because it it offers this kind of false sense of security that that like you can have a bad possession and then LeBron can shoot a 27 footer and kind of bail you out and it the last thing the Lakers need is any reason or any any incentive to kind of fall into bad habits because they immediately will. And we saw that in the second half, as well as I thought uh, New Orleans made a really good adjustment to the way that uh, the Lakers were defending the pick and roll. Um, and, and the Lakers just flat out couldn't get a stop down the stretch of the game. Um, all right, let's go ahead and wrap on this. So uh, as you guys know, the Euro stumble is out there. Harrison was very quick to remind you guys that it exists. Um, so I am trying to even out the, the internet odds, uh, with other people's embarrassing sports moments. So Jake, do you have a most embarrassing sports moment that you can point to? Yeah, I I have a couple, but I'll tell you about one that actually happened on the Pelicans court a couple of years ago on a a Monday. They did a media game where they let us on the court. They got us like jerseys and everything, and they let us play a pickup game, media versus media, Mm -hmm. on the Pelicans court in the Smoothie King Center, like 
really awesome opportunity yeah. to play in there. They had the radio announcer there come in and do like the starting lineups and announce your name. You get to like run out of the tunnel. It was like this awesome thing. And it was at a 2, 2 p.m. on a Monday. The problem was the Saints had played the day before and I, I drank a little bit too much. And they, <laughs> I was at a bar that gave you free shots whenever they scored a touchdown and they ended up beating the Lions like 65 to like oh, 20. Oh, no. <laughs> so like, they had like three defensive scores in this. So I... The last thing I really remember was it like that game ending around like six o'clock and then going home and then like waking up at midnight to like throw some food down and then waking up yeah. the next day to go to this media game at two o'clock. And I don't know if I had like given myself alcohol poisoning or something. So I'm, I'm on the bench and I look just as bad Green. as possible. And like, yeah, yeah. They, I was supposed to start. I did not start because I couldn't. They threw me on the court and I've never been so like dizzy and disoriented in my life. Um, we, we, like, I got on there. I ran the wrong direction. The game's going to my right. I'm running to my left. I, 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 I I'm so out of it. I played about like three minutes in that game. I, yeah. And I just was like, I know I'm not going to play anymore because I can't. So I took every shot that I could. Anytime they passed me the ball, I just ripped it. It's over three from three, and like, in, in basically in like four possessions. After that, though, everyone just kind of looked at me, and I just I subbed myself out, and then just immediately spent the rest of the game puking in a trash can, literally oh on my the bench. <laughs> you know what? That doesn't sound the that different. the next day, and I was still that bad. Yeah, that, it doesn't sound that different, honestly, from the Euro stumble and the story behind the Euro stumble. It was in Vegas. Like, what, what am I supposed to say? I was in Vegas. Yeah. I had a giant burrito and a bunch of margaritas right before that game. How do you think? Like, <laughs> I was supposed to make that layup? <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Jake, no. thank, you very, <laughs> thank you very much. For hopping on um, and 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 uh, you know making this work in your schedule, uh, I'm sure we'll probably talk again um, you know before the end of the season as the Lakers and the Pelicans get ready to maybe play in the playing game against each other. Um, until then, though, best of luck, and, and I'll talk to you then. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for having me on, Anthony. Anytime.